So this morning, uh, we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. Uh, Luke 11, 1 through 13. Uh, You'll find it on the screen, or you can follow along how you've got it. Before we read, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we're grateful um, that we continue to have the ability to to share this time together. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit, as we open as we open the Bible, as we open this book. Uh, once again, we ask that you would speak. That you would renew us, that you would create something new in us, that you would inspire us, you would change us, that you would transform us, so that we look a whole lot more like Jesus. Amen. So Luke 11, 1 through 13, hear these words. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then he said to them, them a story. Suppose one of you has a friend, and he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread, because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because of their friendship, Yet because of the man's boldness, his sheer audacity, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your own children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We will go that far. So as I was thinking this week, Well, here's the deal. There, there's another story that I might preach on next week, and I did a whole bunch of work on it, and a whole bunch of work on it. It's a hard story. It's not an easy story. It's not a fun story, uh, and I got to the point where I was like, I don't like what I don't like what's going on here. Uh, so I, so I changed, I changed routes. I thought to myself, what do we, what do we need to hear right now? Um, and I thought. 
You know, given, given where we are in the world today, given how, much, given how much division that we have in the world today, given how easy it is for us to just push a whole section of people aside and just walk in a different direction, and given how easy it is to, to sever relationships, and given the fact that we're, we're still dealing with a pandemic and the numbers are worse than they've ever been, uh, I thought it would be a good idea for us to talk about Prayer. Yeah, I think prayer is something that we need to talk about. And so why not go to the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray? And we're not going to sort of dissect that prayer. We're going to talk about this whole thing, this whole story. Uh, But before we get into it, I think it's important for us to remember where we are in Luke's telling of the Jesus story, because I think it's important. And Some of us will remember me saying this and sort of setting this up in this way. Others uh, won't, but we're going to do it anyway because I think it's important for us to remember where we are in Luke's telling of the Jesus story. So at this point in the story that Luke is telling about Jesus and his followers, uh, Jesus and his followers are on the road. They're traveling. They're headed from Galilee in the north, and they're going to Jerusalem in the south. Now, most Jews would take the long way around um, because it would be safe. They're, they're going the long way around where they would sort of rub shoulders with people who are a lot like them. But, but Jesus doesn't take them the long way around from Galilee in the north to Jerusalem in the south. He takes them, he takes them straight south through this territory called Samaria. Maybe you've heard of it. Now, Samaria is enemy territory. So, While they're on this trip down to Jerusalem, they're surrounded by people who are different. They have different sets of beliefs. They have uh, different customs. They have a whole totally different way of of living. So they're away from their familiar synagogues in Galilee, and they're away from their holy temple in Jerusalem. They're in between the comfortable. We know what that feels like, to be in between the comfortable. They're in between the familiar They're in between the two safest places they know, Galilee and Jerusalem. They're in Samaria. Now this, if we let it, can become a sort of metaphor for us. It's kind of like the time between Sundays for us. On Sundays, we know what to expect when we gather here in this place. We may not know all the details ahead of time, but generally speaking, when we come here and we gather for worship, whether in person or online, we're pretty sure we know what's going to happen. We're going to meet and pay attention to the presence of the divine here. Now, what happens here is protected, it's safe, it's familiar, like Galilee and Jerusalem. But between Sundays, we spend most of our time out there, right? In Samaria, we could say. Surrounded by people who might not necessarily be trying to follow Jesus as we have been trying to follow Jesus. And anything can happen out there, and if we're not careful, it can, become, it can become pretty disconnected to what happens in here, right? Listen to what Eugene Peterson says. He says this, Luke gives us Samaria as a metaphor for the way Jesus is with people who have very little or maybe no readiness to listen to the revelation of God and not infrequently are outright hostile. This is the way Jesus is when he isn't, as we would say, in church. That's a cool thought. 
So this whole section of Luke's gospel is the way Jesus sort of just is when he's not like in church, when he's just out there among people who might think and feel and have different customs. Everything is different, right? So they're traveling through that place. They're traveling through Samaria. They're surrounded by people who might not understand what Jesus was about to do, but but Jesus does it anyway because that's just what Jesus does. He tells his disciples, we're going to take a rest. We're going to stop for a little bit. And then he goes by himself, and he finds a quiet place, and he begins to pray. And when he's finished, one of the disciples says to him, Lord, you got to teach us how to do that. Teach us how to pray. Now, here's, this is interesting. This is the only time in the stories about Jesus in the Bible, this is the only time that the disciples ask Jesus to teach them anything. They never ask him to teach them anything except for this, teach us to pray. This is the only time in the stories about Jesus in the Bible that the disciples command Jesus, tell Jesus to do anything, teach us to pray. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty, pretty significant. Listen, they've got Jesus all to themselves. They're on the road with Jesus alone. They could have asked Jesus to teach them anything, but they say, teach us, teach us to pray. They don't ask Jesus to teach them the kinds of things that we would ask Jesus to teach us. They don't ask Jesus to teach them better behavior. So they don't ask Jesus for an ethical or moral lesson, right? They don't ask Jesus to to help them to think a little bit more accurately about who God is and what God is up to in the world. They don't say to Jesus, teach us, tell us, how can God be transcendent above all of this and yet also imminent, as close to us as the very air that we breathe? How does that work? Because that doesn't make much sense to us. They don't say to Jesus, teach us, Jesus, tell us, why does God let good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? That just sort of makes our brains go wonky and it doesn't make sense. Can you teach us about that? They don't want a lesson in theology, right? They don't ask Jesus to give them a five-step process for getting a better marriage. They don't ask Jesus for a 12-step program to help them figure out how to usher in this thing that he's calling the kingdom of God. There's no steps like that. They just simply say, you got to teach us how to, you got to teach us how to pray. They've been with Jesus for three years. Three years. They've been watching what he does. They've been listening to what he says. But somehow, they've begun to realize that following Jesus isn't necessarily just about imitating what he does or repeating exactly what he says. Those things are important, yes. But I think they've begun to realize that that there's something even deeper than that, something even more foundational than that that allows Jesus to do all of the things that he does and say all of the things that he says and teach the way that he does. There's something underneath it all. I think they've begun to realize towards the end of their time with Jesus while he walked on this planet that following Jesus, maybe it begins by cultivating a deep relationship with God as they've seen him 
do. Not just in here where it's safe and familiar, but also, and maybe more importantly, out there, where it's challenging and sometimes difficult and maybe even hostile. They want the kind of God-centered life that they see Jesus living all the time, no matter where he is. They've figured out the heart of the matter. And they want to engage in this thing that seems to hold Jesus' life and shapes Jesus' life. They want to do well what Jesus does best. Lord, teach us to pray. Like they're realizing that that's underneath all of it. So he begins. And I love it because he's done before, barely after he gets started. Like he gives them this little tiny prayer. It takes maybe less than 30 seconds to pray. And then it's over. Class dismissed. All done. And this is a very different idea of, of teaching. So when we go to school, what do we want? We want stuff explained to us. We want definitions. You know, explain this to me. Give us definitions. Give me information I can go home with, and then, and then I'll, uh, I'll know what to do. Right? Give me a five-step program to a better prayer life. But Jesus does none of that. And I love it. He says, okay. They're like, Lord, teach us to pray. He's like, okay, come over here. Let's get on our knees. Or you can stand if you like. You can fold your hands if you want to. You don't have to. You can pray with your eyes open or closed. I don't know if he said anything. I'm just spitballing here. I think he probably may have said something like that. But then he goes, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. And it's over. How does he teach them to pray? He just prays. He prays with them. You know, most of the really important things we learn in life, we, those things come to us through training and practice. Think of it this way. We didn't learn to speak our native language by deciding to learn and trying really hard. No, we learned through training, right? When you think about it, we didn't even realize when we were this big, we didn't even realize that we were in training. And our parents didn't even realize that they were training us most of the time. Right? But each time they spoke to us, saying bottle, while holding up a bottle, they were training us. They were engaging in the age-old practice of holding up a thing and saying the word for it. They were, they were training us, and we were learning English. Right? Also, when our parents wouldn't give us something before we said please or thank you, they were training us to be polite, and we were practicing politeness so that it would just become natural to us. And so for most of us, it took a few years to figure it out, but in that process, without even realizing it, we became fluent in English. And on top of that, we probably became polite people too, most of the time. The disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And what does Jesus do? 
says, come over here. Let's pray. So how do we learn how to pray? Because I think when I talk to people, a lot of people admit that they have problems praying. Like prayer doesn't come easily. It's not, it's not the easiest thing to do. So how do we learn how to pray? I, I think we learn how the disciples learned how to pray. You know, going to a workshop or reading a book on prayer can be really helpful. Some helpful things can come from that. We'll probably be able to take notes and write down definitions and, and uh, maybe even get some steps to a better prayer life. But, but I think the best way to learn how to pray, especially when we're out there in between Sundays, is to find someone who prays and prays well. I think, I think ask them if they will pray with you. Ask them if you can just listen to them pray. Set regular times where you get together with someone who prays and prays well and just pray. And, and when they're done praying, then you pray. Or here's another option. Pick up the Psalms. It's right in the middle of your Bible if you've got a paper one still. Like, if you click around the app, it's easy to find. But it's right in the middle. Read the Psalms and read them often. Because do you know what the Psalms are? Those Psalms are prayers. Some of the best prayers you'll ever hear. And when you're reading the Psalms, you're listening to someone pray. And if you read through them often enough, maybe even out loud, you begin to learn how to pray, or take the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Pray that prayer. Pray it every day. Pray the first line, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and then riff on it. Give it your own spin. Say it in your own words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray those words and then riff on them again and say it in your own way and then Give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins and let that be your guide. And do it often and you'll learn how to pray. Because prayer is the thing that's foundational because it cultivates that life with God that allows all that other stuff to bear fruit. But see, Jesus isn't done. He tells us a story, and I think in this story, he, he sort of gives us, gives us our posture, the posture of the heart when we pray, right? He tells a story. He's like, think about what it would be like if it was like in the middle of the night, midnight or so, and you go over to your friend's house, and you knock on the door, and you say, can I borrow three loaves of bread? I had somebody come into town just now, and I had no idea they were coming, and I got nothing to give them. And Jesus says, the one in the house will say, what are you, crazy? I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. The doors are locked. I can't get you anything right now. It's midnight, y'all. I'm trying to sleep. And then Jesus says, let me tell you, even if he won't get up because he's your friend, because of your boldness, because of your sheer audacity, he will get up and give you what you need. Because of your boldness, he will get up 
and give you what, because of your, that would take a certain amount of guts to do, wouldn't it? Going over to a friend's house at midnight, waking them up and asking them if you could borrow some loaves of bread would not be easy. It would take a certain amount of humility and humbleness to do that, right? To admit that there's something you can't do for yourself and that you need help. And humility and humbleness, it just doesn't come easy for us. It doesn't. Let's do an exercise together. And you can do this at home too if you're sitting on your couch or wherever you are. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions. And if this applies to you, if you've had this experience, I would just love it if you would just raise your hand. Okay? Again, I can't see you, but please just go ahead. Raise your hand at home if this applies to you. How many of us here have a difficult time sometimes asking someone else for help. Anyone? That's everyone. How many of us find it difficult to swallow our pride and acknowledge that there are some things in this world that we just can't do for ourselves? It's hard, isn't it? That kind of thing, that kind of posture doesn't come easy for us. I mean, we like to think that because we've gotten ourselves a decent job with a decent paycheck, we've taken care of ourselves with a decent place to live, we've got a vehicle we can get around in, and we've even provided ourselves with insurance in case there's an accident. Since we've done all of those things, we've built this whole world for ourselves, we, we shouldn't have to ask help for anything, right? The whole bootstraps and all. You know, we like to be self-sufficient, self-dependent, independent. These are, these are high values. Humility and humbleness don't come easy for us. And I think that might be why, it, why it's so hard for us to f- figure out how to pray well. Because prayer is the process by which we learn to just let go of ourselves. We learn to let go of our own ego. And we... We generally don't want to let go of ourselves. We don't want to ask a friend for bread. I can get it for myself, thank you very much. High V is just, I can be to high V and back in 10 minutes. I don't need to go to my next door neighbors and ask for a loaf of bread. If it's midnight, I can't go to high V anymore, but I could go over to Walmart. It might take me a half hour to get there and back and buy the bread, but nah, I can do that myself. We don't want to ask a friend for bread. But when we pray, we sort of unlearn that smug, self-sufficient attitude. When we pray, we ask God to provide. When we pray, we ask God to do something that we can't possibly do for ourselves. When we pray, we don't become less needy, we become more needy. When we pray, we don't become less dependent, we become more dependent. Because prayer isn't a isn't a power that we hold over God like some magic incantation we can say to make the God who made everything do whatever it is that we want God to do. No, prayer is the process by which we become more needy. It's the process by which we become more dependent. And the more needy and the more dependent we come, the more, the more we let ourselves go, the closer we get in our relationship with the divine. 
Think of it this way. When a friend comes to you and asks you for something that they can't get for themselves, what does that do to your relationship? When a, when a friend comes to you and asks them and asks you for something that they can't get for themselves, what does that do to your relationship? That humility and that sense of humbleness, that's the thing that draws you closer to them, right? It makes your relationship more intimate. You don't immediately think, you can't take care of yourself, you weakling. No, you're like, of course, I will help you. I am here for you. It brings intimacy into the relationship. It, br it, brings, it brings trust and expectation there. You now become dependent on one another. Prayer is the process by which we grow closer to the one who gives us everything, the one who provides everything for us. One final thing. Jesus ends his teaching on prayer with this weird thing. He starts talking about, you know, eggs and bread, and if your child asks for, for egg, you're not going to give them a snake. Or, you know, if you then know, even though you are evil, know how to give, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Spirit to those who ask? The Spirit, all of a sudden he's talking about the Spirit, we thought we were talking about loaves of bread for ourselves and our friend. We thought we were talking about ordinary stuff of life like fish and eggs. These are all the things that we deal with in our normal life. And suddenly he's like, spirit. Jesus brings the spirit out there into the, into the everyday stuff of life. Right? Because the spirit isn't just in here. Spirit is out there. Among all the ordinary things you do, all the ordinary things we say, and Jesus is simply saying, you have access to that all the time. In the ordinary stuff of life, if you just pay attention a little more often. Let's pray together.